Our scripture lesson this morning is a very familiar one, the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I invite you now to please turn with me to Luke chapter 10, where I will be reading verses 25 through 37. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to take one of those Red Pew Bibles in front of of you. Once again, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to see all of you again today. Our passage today is likely a familiar one, uh, but I chose it uh, because I think many of us, we gloss over this critical parable uh, because we know it already. Um, And I suspect that many of us do know it, uh, meaning that we could actually paraphrase it without leaving out any important details. Um, But what's funny about this parable is that I think uh, that it talks about exactly that, knowing something but not applying it. And so uh, I wanted to re-examine this parable with you to evaluate whether or not we uh, are being faithful to the call that Jesus places on us in this parable. Um, There was an interesting article that came out this week from LifeWay Research um, showing that more than half of all Protestants under 50 said that they preferred to go to church uh, where the rest of the congregation shares their political views. Um, For those over 50, it did decrease down to about 33%, um, but that's still rather high. Uh, Now, why is that? Now, realize, uh, you know, that really only the very culturally acute and aware people will pick up on this, but uh, politics tend to be kind of uh, divisive in our country. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if you've noticed the 12 million ways in which it manifests itself. whether it's social media, the news, uh, the talk show hosts, um, whatever, uh, we see that people have become extremely 
uh, hostile towards other people who have a different view than them. Um, now, primarily, I would say that this happens because people put their faith in politics and not the Lord. Um, <clears throat> but I do think that there's a related secondary reason uh, related to this passage. Um, and that is that we are more comfortable uh, with those most like us. And that we are more comfortable, um, or rather uh, our natural posture towards those who we aren't comfortable with is pretty intimidating. Um, meaning we don't necessarily want to let people in uh, if they're different from us. Um, but first, let's look at the context surrounding this parable. Um, just before this parable is written, a, a few things uh, piqued my interest. Um, number one is that Jesus is preparing his disciples, which at that time numbered 72. Um, and in his preparations, he's sort of uh, taking expectations and just turning them over on themselves. Uh, you see him saying that they ought to go into these uh, uh, various communities. You know, they're supposed to travel around, but don't bring anything. Um, <clears throat> he tells them that uh, even though they have been given the spirits, this powerful uh, Holy Spirit, and with it much power and authority, uh, that they should not revel in that, but instead they should revel just in the fact that uh, their names are written um, in the book. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus even earlier says that the cost... Uh, to follow him is terribly great, uh, that extreme sacrifices are to be made living in the kingdom of God. And he says this right after going to a town and being rejected by them. Uh, we'll get back to it later. But notice then how Jesus is responding to uh, this lawyer, which is really uh, like a Bible scholar. It's not, it's not like my wife. Um, <laughs> But Jesus is once again turning expectations over, and he's making a demanding call to action. So the story goes with a lawyer, okay, someone who studied and applied the Mosaic Law, uh, asking Jesus how to inherit an eternal life. This is a common question back then. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Jesus doesn't answer him. Notice, I mean, this could have been like a really short, you know, passage. He could have said, oh, anyone's your neighbor. Um, but no, Jesus, uh, he doesn't do that. Uh, first, he asks him what the lawyer thinks. How do you interpret it? Um, and Jesus, I think, does this because the lawyer already knows what's written. He already knows the answer. Um, but he also knows that uh, perhaps this guy isn't applying it fully. Um, <clears throat> and so the lawyer answers, and scripturally, he, he has the answer. Um, <clears throat> he says that you must love the Lord your God with your whole being and to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says that he has answered correctly. But then it gets far more interesting. Okay, the lawyer, perhaps being uh, detail-oriented in his profession, wants clarification. Okay, and so who is my neighbor? Um, you see, when answered broadly, he had given the correct answer, but now he seeks to constrict the boundaries. Okay, how do I minimize what I have to do here? Um, and Jesus is having none of that. Okay, uh, Jesus wants to expand the law. Uh, he doesn't want to constrict it. And so Jesus then tells the parable. And so he tells of the man going between Jerusalem and Jericho, uh, known as a dangerous road because of robberies, uh, like the one that we heard about, uh, this poor unfortunate person. Uh, the man gets beaten so badly that he nearly dies. Uh, but what luck! A priest just so happens to be walking by. Uh, a righteous man who does the work of God. Surely the man is in good hands. Um, but alas, he walks on by. Uh, he does not help the guy. 
Now, there has to be a good reason for this. Uh, After all, it is against the Mosaic law to touch any dead thing. It would make you unclean and uh, make you unfit to perform your duties as a uh, a priest of God. Uh, So, you know, maybe the priest is compassionate, but he walks on by. Uh, You know, what is he supposed to do? Uh, Fortunately, uh, there's a second chance. There's a, uh, a Levite, which is a Jewish person, Uh, who helped serve the priests in the temple, and uh, a righteous person indeed, and one who is uh, less less prohibited by laws. Um, And so he walks on by, but he doesn't stop either. He continues on. Well, so that's a little more troubling. Okay, why isn't this guy helping? Uh, But Jesus speaks of a third person to come along. There's a Samaritan. Now, to the Jews... This is really the least likely person to help out this poor man who has been mugged. Samaritans were thought of as horrible people who hated God uh, by Jews. Uh, There's a lot of bad blood between Jews and Samaritans, and so they were certain that this guy uh, would not be motivated to help him out, especially considering that the righteous folks had already passed him by. If they're not going to do it, why would this guy? Uh, But the Samaritan does help him out, Uh, And he does so in a way that I think vastly exceeded uh, any expectations that the Jews might have had of a Samaritan. They probably, uh, well, they maybe would have expected that if the Samaritan was going to help, it would probably only be to kind of help him up, you know, before he went on his way. So we're doing the bare minimum. But the parable shows us that he took uh, care of this man at great sacrifice to himself. He sacrificed his time, uh, getting him ready and bandaged and taking him to the inn. Uh, He spent a lot of money paying for the inn and medical uh, costs. Uh, Remember, this is a dangerous road, so naturally he was walking on this dangerous road, uh, less able to defend himself as he's doing so. So he took on a lot to take care of this guy. Um, This compassionate act, I think, is stunning to us when we first hear the story. Uh, even without any uh, vitriol between us and and, uh, Samaritans. But it goes much deeper than that. Remember the town that I told you about that Jesus had been rejected from? Uh, I don't know if anyone looked in the previous chapter, but the people that rejected Jesus in that town were the Samaritans. Um, And so think on that for for just a moment. What is Jesus doing then by telling the story? Okay, he was just rejected by these people, and now he's telling stories, painting these guys as the good guys. When he was rejected by the Samaritans, this would have further cemented in the ideas of the, uh, in the minds of the Jews that Samaritans are just no good. Okay? They are godless people. Um, and yet, Jesus tells the story, he flips the narrative, and uh, he chooses a Samaritan to do so, why would he do that? Why did God command Jonah, uh, a prophet with severe theological prejudice against uh, Ninevites, to go to Nineveh? Um, The answer, I think, is that God loves all peoples. He is not, while the Jews are the chosen ones, he is not just concerned with their salvation. He wants to redeem the world. So by choosing a Samaritan to be the hero, I think Jesus is challenging how the Jews view people. This was extreme sacrificial love shown by the Samaritan, someone that they did not think was capable of such love. Uh, And God sees all of his creation as valuable and that men and women of all ethnicities and even religions as having dignity. They were, after all, created in his image. 
God wants us to see people like that, even our enemies. So there's a lot going on here and even more to digest from it. But <clears throat> the very first thing I want to talk about is the idea of giving ourselves permission to withhold love. Notice in the story that the lawyer was willing to love his neighbor so long as it fit his definition of who his neighbor was. Uh, <clears throat> don't think for one second that you don't do this. Okay? We are all guilty of doing this. And this parable should be just as convicting to us as it is exposing the lawyer. He had such hatred for Samaritans. Uh, I don't know if you catch this in his uh, answer at the very end here. Um, but when Jesus asks him, who of these three then is the, is the neighbor? He doesn't say the Samaritan. What does he say? He says, the one who showed mercy. He can't even get himself to say Samaritan because that's his enemy. He can't do it. No way can he give direct credit to his enemy. And so for this lawyer some time ago, he had decided that he did not need to show love to people, uh, <clears throat> people that, uh, that he didn't feel deserved it. And I've, we've said it a little before, but I'll say it again. Okay, he had good reason not to love them. Okay, they... they I mean, they had just rejected Jesus. Um, <clears throat> Jonah had great reason. I keep bringing him up just because these stories are very similar in what God is trying to do. But Jonah had great reason not to love the Ninevites. Okay? They were cruel, uh, brutal uh, in wartime, uh, and they had just crushed his home country, uh, which he loved dearly. And yet God loves these people, and he has called us to love them. Uh, they're sworn enemies. And so I ask you, saints of Kishwaukee, not if uh, you withhold love from certain people, but rather who. Because we are all terribly guilty of this. And when we withhold this love, we are actively working against God and his glorious invitations to join the kingdom of heaven. So who is it? Who is it in your life? Whom have you exempted yourself from the commands of God? We as Christians love to tell this parable. I think it's one of the favorites out there. And honestly, I just don't understand why. Because when I read this parable, it serves to remind me of my hypocrisy, my legalism, my cruelty, my blatant disregard for the word of God and disrespect of the cross. As an American, mostly inexperienced with other cultures and countries, I can only speak for what I see here, but uh, it seems to me that people are more divided now than before. Um, and maybe I'm just living in the moment, and maybe uh, with just the rise of social media, it's changed the way that we view things. I think those are all valid, but, um, but it still seems pretty clear to me that uh, we are very divided in this country, uh, particularly over politics. Uh, many people in this country, Christian or otherwise, have exempted themselves uh, from loving others if they voted for blank. Worse yet, I have heard many believers say that you are not a Christian if you voted for blank. Um, <clears throat> and it, the blank really it is uh, flexible depending on where you live. I lived on the West Coast and now living in the Midwest. Uh, those answers are very different um, depending on where you live. But I heard it in both places. I remember discussing the election, the 2016 election with a friend, 
who strongly disagreed with uh, just my observations on it. And at one point said, you're not a Christian if you voted for so-and-so. Now, I didn't even vote for the person he was uh, accusing me of, but uh, I'm a, you know, I'm fairly hard-headed and a little fiery. And so, you know, I went to our, uh, he's a friend from back home in Michigan. And so I just went to our home church's website, went to the doctrinal beliefs, you know, copied the, the link and sent it to him. And I said, I agree with all of these. So what Christianity are you talking about that I am not a part of? Um, <clears throat> maybe I shouldn't have done that. But uh, <laughs> but my point is, like, you know, <clears throat> he was adding a requirement to what it means to be a Christian. And by adding that requirement, he was allowing himself to not have to show love to certain people. Okay, He's saying, this is what it means to be a Christian. I don't have to include you in on, in, in on any of this if you don't fit this uh, new definition of what it means to be a Christian. Um, his reasoning was based on politics. Uh, how many of you have your blood boiling at the mere thought of a political candidate? Um, <clears throat> maybe you couldn't care less about politics, uh, but maybe socioeconomic status. Maybe uh, you have an axe to grind with the rich or maybe the poor. Maybe you expect a certain level of respectability from people. Um, Diana deals uh, with this a lot in her job. Uh, I think most of the interviews that she had uh, as a public defender would ask something along the lines of, you know, how will you handle people uh, being ungrateful and maybe even hostile towards you as you give your all for them? Um, It can be a thankless job. Perhaps you expect a person to be well-mannered, well-behaved for you teachers out there. God bless. This can be a tough one. Um, You know, you maybe it's very easy to say, you know what? They just they're not living up to the way that I expect them to. Um, You know, I don't have to I don't have to give them my all. Uh, Maybe you only show love to those of a certain education level. Maybe if they're below a certain level, you know. You say, eh, you know, I don't have to respect them. Uh, They're not worthy of my time, that sort of thing. Uh, For me, it can be difficult to allow new people uh, into an established group, like a circle of friends. I remember one time uh, I had a circle of friends, and a new person had just come to our church and was joining us for a church outing we were attending. Uh, And I've, like, pretty much decided already that I don't really want to pursue a relationship with this person uh, because I'm a dirty, rotten sinner who's awful and does awful things. Um, <clears throat> so I'm driving the van, uh, and of course, um, she sits in the front row or front seat next to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is going to be a three-hour drive, and I'm just like, really? Um, you know, this is not an insignificant amount of time. Uh, <clears throat> and I would much have rather have had a friend sitting there, someone that I wanted to talk to. But you know, I think to myself, no big deal. I'm just you know, I've got my music on, uh, no big deal. I'll just listen to that, and I can just sort of zone out, and then I can just ignore this person that's bothering me here, who's literally just sitting there, but they're bothering me. Uh, <clears throat> well, about half an hour in, okay, she has the gall to change the music, okay? And she takes out her phone, and she just hijacks it. She didn't ask me, okay? She just did it, okay? This is some further cementing in my mind that this person does not deserve my love. Uh, <laughs> My blood was boiling, you know. And so I just remember, you know, she's trying to talk to me, ask me questions, get to know me, you know, being a real sweetheart. But I saw through her games, you know. She was just... uh. 
But, you know, and I'm just giving nothing answers, and I'm just sort of fuming, but, you know, trying to maintain a, a, a solid appearance still. Um, but, you know, her whole existence was now a threat to my circle, the secure friend circle that I had. And I had no desire to let any of that go. Um, and so, sinfully, I exempted myself from any obligation that God gave me to be loving towards her. So who is that person for you? Or rather, if Jesus were sharing this parable with you today, who would he replace the Samaritan with? I had a professor do this, and it was a really interesting exercise. Um, because it, the people that you would not want to have in the story be the hero uh, is exactly the kind of person that Jesus would have as the hero in the story if he were telling it today. Jesus loved to be controversial. Uh, I could easily imagine him making uh, the Good Samaritan in the story to be Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump today, if he were telling us here in America, and that he would infuriate whatever person he was telling the story. And that was his point, that all people have value and dignity, and it is our calling as believers to love them, hard stop. There's no ifs, ands, or buts that we can add to it. So which enemy, enemy of yours would be Jesus' hero? I'm from Michigan, so I can imagine some Ohioan or, uh, you know, <laughs> some other barbaric Neanderthal. <laughs> Maybe someone who loads the dishwasher wrong, getting back to a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <clears throat> but in all seriousness, I, this is important to ask yourself that question because I think sometimes it's subconscious. We don't even realize that we're withholding love from certain people. And once you've answered that, you need to get to work on loving them. Notice, too, in this story that this call to love is very active. I think some of us try to skate by with passive love. You know, yeah, I love them, but I've never made uh, any attempt to get to know them. I've never made any attempt to serve them, honor them. Uh, so we try to skate by in this passive love if such a thing even exists. The good Samaritan, when he saw someone in need, he went way above and beyond uh, <clears throat> in his love and care for the beaten man. He wasn't trying to do the minimum in this situation. Uh, but instead, his compassion for him overruled, and he made great sacrifices to make it happen. <clears throat> uh, yesterday, I went to Chick-fil-A with my kids um, while Diana was uh, working on some stuff at home. And uh, I was at a light, <clears throat> uh, you know, the Perryville and uh, State Street, and uh, was at a light and uh, happened to glance over to my right, and there's like a car with three guys in it, and they're like, tell me to roll down the window, you know, and I was by myself with the two kids, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, did I leave like the diaper bag on top of the car or something, you know, I'm like, you know, for a brief moment, I'm like, wait, I didn't put Josiah on top of the car, did I? And, and his carrier, I was like, oh gosh, like, this could be really bad, so, you know, I'm like fumbling to roll down the window really quick, and um, you know, they tell me, uh, you know, it was weird because it's, you know, you're in a car and talking to another person in another car. But, uh, you know, he's kind of stammering and telling me, you know, I, I need directions. I don't know if you're from Rockford. And, you know, I was like, I, I can try to help, you know. And so he's like, let's just meet at the Best Buy that's right there. And so I pull over and, and get in there. And um, 
all of a sudden, you know, he gets out of the car and he's like, hey, you know, uh, Marine Corps vet, uh, you know, falling on hard times, I need help, uh, twins, Janesville, Wisconsin, I don't know, he was rambling a lot, not making a whole lot of sense, uh, you know, and he's like, you know, yeah, man, I just need like $20, $30 uh, to, uh, to get some food for my kids. Um, <clears throat> we're talking, uh, I like legitimately don't have any cash on me, uh, and so I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I help this guy? Um, you know, and then all of a sudden it turns to, yeah, I mean, just fifty, sixty dollars, you know, and I can get a hotel room, and uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, and uh, you know, I get my checkbook out and I write it anyways, um, <clears throat> because I made a decision a long time ago um, that I was no longer going to withhold money uh, from the homeless or or people in need so long as I had any. Uh, <clears throat> Now, I went to school in Chicago, okay? I, you know, as many of you know, and I had many experiences with the homeless. I had learned of many ways in which people uh, will abuse the generosity of others. Um, <clears throat> you know, no doubt, I am well aware of it. I remember hearing big sobs that I was on my way to work, and this woman who's pregnant, she's saying she's bleeding, she needs to get in a cab and go to the hospital, and I felt awful, but I just did not have any money, couldn't help her, man, and it just, like, weighed on me all day, and I just felt awful. And like two months later, a friend comes in and he's like, man, you know, I just, I want to pray. And, uh, you know, so he gathers a couple of us on the floor to pray for this woman who was pregnant and who was bleeding and who needed a cab ride to the hospital. And um, so I'm well aware that people will abuse the generosity of others. Um, and so I used to say, you know, yeah, I don't need the help. You know, they're just going to use my money for whatever. And um, I don't need to. But when I really dug down deep and evaluated my heart, I began to realize that the real reason that I wasn't going to give is because I didn't want to. I wanted to keep that money for myself. Uh, maybe I had good reason. I mean, I was in school. I was dirt poor even then. But, um, but really, I, uh, I wanted to reserve that money for myself. And now I was giving myself an excuse. Ah, see, this is why I don't have to give. This is, uh, you know... This is my ticket out of there. Um, and I began to realize that, and I became really convicted about that. Um, you know, that I was relieved when I initially said that I would no longer try and help because now I was able to serve myself guilt-free. Um, yeah, I was the lawyer from the story back then. And so I decided that what I do is between God and I, and what they do is between them and God. But I am not going to potentially face judgment from God for withholding uh, generosity from someone uh, just because I felt like maybe they weren't being forthright or maybe they weren't deserving of it. Um, <clears throat> and now, I'm not saying that that's something that all Christians need to do. That's something personally for me because I know my heart and I know that, uh, that I tend to sin in those situations in which I don't give. Um, but I do think that there are sort, those are the sorts of situations that we all need to think on and evaluate our hearts. You know, are we giving ourselves, uh, and again, it may be a good reason, uh, but are we giving ourselves an excuse to not have to obey what God is calling us to? Jesus came to earth to show us what life in the kingdom looks like. Then he died to provide a way to actually be able to join that wonderful kingdom. And then he rose again, providing new life and a breaking of the curse that has engulfed our world. And then, when he ascended into heaven, 
he tasked his followers to go out into the world to model what the kingdom looks like and to invite people uh, to meet God and join us there. The love that you show people is a giant advertisement for Jesus. Are you willing to withhold that? Um, Don't keep that from people. They need it. Um, And I hope, I hope after hearing this that you are challenged to do so. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for who you are, um, that you are a loving God who uh, teaches us to love our enemies, uh, who teaches us to forgive those who we feel don't deserve our forgiveness. Ultimate Lord, uh, ultimately, Lord, we are, um, we are not deserving of the love that you show us, of the forgiveness that you extend to us. Um, and we are grateful for that. And Father, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to empower us to live in the same way, to live as people who have been forgiven, who have been redeemed. Help us to go out into the world, help people to uh, see the love that we have for you and see that as love from you. And pray all these things in your name. Amen.